The price of excellence is discipline. The cost of mediocrity is disappointment. Ladies and gentlemen, this is entitled Weekend. Welcome to Entitled Weekend. We are six days removed from the drubbing that the Bills gave to the hands of the Patriots. And there's been a lot of gaslighting. There's been a lot of, of revisionist history over this season. And I think it's I think that it's perfect that we have a podcast like this to put things into perspective because I think there's a lot of it needed today and for the rest of for hopefully. The, the next few months until we get to the draft. So I want to start out by talking about the season and giving it a big picture because, you know, there's a difference between expectations and what everyone decided that their expectations for the season were and what the season turned out to be. And so I want to start with you, Bill. What were your expectations going into the season and were they met or exceeded or downgraded and depending on when the, how the season turned out uh what, what did you think about the entire season as a whole in the big picture so i looked at this season as an opportunity to grow like i was not fully expecting this team to make the playoffs um though i thought it was a possibility i did think that like a 10 and 7 11 and six, that type of record was feasible. Um, but I wasn't even sure 10 and seven would be enough to get you into the playoffs. Like not having seen a 17 game season before we'd seen 11 and five, not make the playoffs back in 2008. Um, so I certainly was not guaranteeing, you know, a playoff berth here. Um, and I think that there's context to be provided with that, where it's, we were seeing a rookie develop making minimal mistakes for the better part of half of a season he did make some mistakes near the end of the year, in part because we got behind in bad game schemes that required him to throw. And when defenses know a quarterback is going to throw, unless that quarterback is named Tom Brady, it's often doom and gloom for that quarterback because they can drop back, they can mix up their schemes. Confusing a rookie quarterback is easy to con- then confu- easier than confusing a veteran. And when you know that you're removing the run from the equation for this Patriots team, things are going to take a turn. Um, but I do think overall, super impressed with Mac Jones incredible rookie campaign probably finished his second for rookie of the year. And I think that's right. Um, You know, chase was sort of a monster, um, especially near the end of the season. And that's when votes are won and lost in that type of thing. So fully understanding that Um, bar more monster in the middle of the defense, you know, leader on that D for years to come, Um, you know, the emergence of Stevenson to be a sort of two headed monster with um, Harris was great to see. So, so many good things came out of the season and that's all I as a fan was looking for to see the players that we wanted to see progress, progress, see who our future stars were going to be and see who we wanted to hold on to as this sort of revising of the Patriots comes to be. I'm not even sure it's rebuild at this point. It's more revising what we already have and making it into what we want it to be. Um, And so I think that Bill Belichick will, you know, have an interesting off season ahead of him, but I definitely saw the strides I was looking for. And so my expectations were exceeded, even if the record was about 
roughly where I expected it to be. I think they surpassed what was expected of them. Yeah, absolutely. And Dan, uh, I said expectations at the beginning. And to me, it, it appears that a lot of fans of the Patriots bought into pretty much the national media hype that implied that the 2021 version of the Patriots was going to be a Super Bowl caliber team. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's maybe a lot of that is on us too, you know, because the way the free agents came in and the way the, the training camp was progressing and the way Mac was progressing a lot, a lot was, was looking towards, towards a, a probably a good season, but when the club fails to meet the lofty, lofty expectations, then the same fans get upset and they feel like they were shortchanged and they feel like they demand answers. But the reality is this team never really should have been considered to be that good, especially that quickly. But, you know, you know how it is. Outlandish statements generate clicks and commentary. I mean, this team was a rebuilding team with a rookie quarterback to expect more than what they achieved is a fantasy to me. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with everything that Bill said. I agree with what you said. It, it, you know what I find interesting is it's always, it's the old shtick of, especially Boston media, not just national media. Um, you know, everyone downplays everything that they did, say they should have done this instead. They Monday morning quarterback everything. And then when they are good, when they were on that winning streak, it's like, oh no, now because you're winning, you're in it now. Now your name is in the bid and you have to hold on to it uh and if you don't the whole season's a failure that logic is so backwards because you know like bill said there was no real expectations it was just be better than seven and nine hopefully um you, like we've said multiple times you're taking a gamble with a rookie quarterback a lot of new additions through the draft and free agency um th there's a lot of cohesive chemistry things that need to happen which we saw they, they picked that up but even then I mean to expect that team to hold on to that winning streak or to hold on to that is really difficult I mean I'm not downplaying how much I wanted them to go far into the playoffs I did but this is a success you know when you look at it and you compare it to last season and the whole stigma that we talked about where you spend a lot of money in free agency you're a loser franchise and you won't win anything. Well, they got to the playoffs, which is a success. They have more growth and development to go. And it doesn't all happen in a year. And, and just seeing some of the fans, and we can talk about some of this later too, but just seeing how all of a sudden it was like this team was Super Bowl destined. No, I, I mean, I've never thought they were going to be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, I am the biggest Homer Honk fan sometimes, and I'll admit that. But even I was like, there's no way they're going to get this Super Bowl. It just because of, there was just, even with the AFC being quote unquote wide open, to me, be, when people say that AFC was wide open, it's another way to hedge their bets or their takes about the Patriots to say, oh, the, the AFC was wide open. They got that's lucky. They were weak. Oh, yeah. And that's how much you screwed it up. I heard today, I turned on the car and it was automatically oh, on 98.5. I went to warm it up this morning. And turn I off your radios, Scott, turn off your radios. Scott, oh, yeah. Scott Zolak said, You guys screwed up big time. You had this, you know, you had it all and you let it all slip away. I said, You know, to myself, it's like, This is just what we've been saying. They've been playing with house money. And when they finally lost, it was like everyone could cash in on their takes. 
And that's, you know, that's what they always want to do. But ultimately, I mean, I was happy with the season as a Patriots fan. How can you not? You make it to the playoffs. That's the whole goal. There's plenty of teams out there that never make it to the playoffs. I mean, there's many teams out there or didn't this year. And just to be upset about it. Yeah, of course, I don't like the way they lost. That was embarrassing. Let's be real. But at the same time, it's a success, no matter how you put it. And the this is, you know, I, I want to compare just briefly to the 2018 season when that team started losing a bunch of games and people were like, they're not legit. They're not legit. So they're not, and people had no expectations for them. And then the Patriots tried to use that as like sort of an underdog mentality. And they're like, why are you being underdogs? No one ever counted you out when that was very apparent for the last month of the, the season, especially as they lost to the Steelers and Miami and things like that. And then the media tries to flip everything on its head to say, oh, no, we never counted them out. Just the, like the way this year they're saying, well, now they were Super Bowl contenders because they hedged their bets. And there's always these stupid national media heads that just because they have a show or a platform, people say, oh, well, you said it. Well, do you think we really, just like Mike says on <laughs> the mothership, do you think we have a lot of respect for Schrags, Pete Schrager? I, I don't think so. And he was one of the guys that said, you know, New England versus Bucks in the Super Bowl. So, right. Yeah. I'd just add that I think it's the playoff experience is cannot be overstated as valuable, even in a stomping like it was. Um, you know, people talk a lot about last year and we're seeing it all this week, obviously, because the Chiefs and Bills are matched up against Stephon Diggs watching the ceremony after last year's AFC championship game. And there's the images of him doing that. And like, we've been waiting all year for that. Barmore was out on the field after the game watching the Bills celebrate. You know, Mac Jones was on the sideline understanding the sudden end to the season. Those are things that some quarterbacks don't get for a long period of time, a stinging defeat like that in a playoff situation. Do you want to win? Of course you want to win. Am I saying that losing a playoff game is better than winning a playoff game? Absolutely not. They got stomped. It would have been much, you know, the experience would have been better had they won. But this was what you all you could expect from this team. And we said it going in this team, you know, anything could have happened on Saturday night. Could the Patriots have won? Absolutely. They probably are more frequently going to win a close game than a blowout. And the Bills would, you know, the Bills were the better team and showed it every step of the way. But the experience of getting young players there and seeing them go through that playoff environment will pay dividends in the long run. Uh, But Bill. Barmore did that for clout because somehow he knew he was being recorded. And that's oh, yes. the only reason why he stayed. Yeah, for and, for and, people that say that, you've never played football in your life. And you don't yeah, understand and, and, what it means. Right. And I'm sure Diggs never thought that there would, could possibly be a camera around him being, at that point, number one or number two in terms of most famous player on the Bills. So if we're going to play that, then you can't play both sides of that coin. I'm saying oh, the same thing. Camera, I like there's it. There's a camera? In a, yeah. a, na- a national football playoff what? stadium? What? What? Even after no. Oh, no. He's playing today. He's a, a, rookie, a rookie is doing it for clout. Yeah, because because he, yeah. he needs all the clout he can. Yeah, yeah that, this was Greg Bedard. Greg Bedard, he knew he d- does these things for clout. You know, yeah. um, um, in Titletown, in, it starts every week with, well, except last week, but with Rick Pitino saying, we're going to be positive every day. And we here at Entitled Weekend are, are trying to take that baton and run with it. 
And what I mean by that is when um, I had mentioned on, on the flagship this week about uh, that tweet from Dan Kelly talking about being an optimistic sports fan. Um, and this is exact, and I retweeted the tweet as well, because this is, was exactly the way I felt about the game. It's, is that, yeah, that game was ridiculous. It, it, it sucked. But in that four hour time period between 8.15 and, you know, I would say maybe 12.30 at night, that sucked, absolutely. But pretty much by, by two o'clock, and when I was sleeping, I slept, slept on it and I, I've pretty much forgotten about it. Not, and not that, not to say that you can't improve, your team can't improve on those things, but I, I, I didn't really take it too seriously because look, the reality is more than half of the NFL finished between seven and 10 and 10 and seven. The Patriots were one of those teams that finished 10 and seven. Now, were they one of those, were they better than the Broncos or the Falcons? Yes, but they probably weren't in the same class as the Bills or the Chiefs or the Rams. I, I really, I, I really believe that we, we as a collective, shouldn't have been surprised at what happened at the end of the season, considering the quality of teams the Patriots played, especially late. You know, and and a lot of people have been trying to figure out oh, what happened. I mean, there are probably dozens of reasons what from what happened. I mean. Thinking about the age of key defensive players, you know, that's something to be talked about. Um, to the bye week being in week 14, I've, I've mentioned that a few times and I've gotten laughed at, but I, I truly believe that the bye week in week 14 was just, and especially when they were on that hot streak of seven wins, it just seemed as though, you know, it was a, a <laughs> it was a collision course and then you know, you had that one win in between those those ridiculous games with the Colts and, and, and others. And then you had the extra days off during that three-week stretch. That, that, it, there's something to be said for momentum being taken away, especially of the defense. And then you have injuries. And and I'll, and I'll be truthfully honest, there were, there were some players who believed their press clippings. And you can't really believe a lot when it comes to the media. And so... You know, people are going to find their oversimplified answers that fit their own personal opinions, but it's all complex. And I definitely don't believe that, oh, that seven-game win streak was a mirage. I, they didn't just beat teams on, on their seven-game winning streak. They dominated them. So I, 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 there's it, it just a mediocre of reasons. So I, I just think that we need to look at the season in the proper perspective and we need to be excited for what's to come. And that's next season. And, I, and I'm not just talking about the draft and free agency. I'm talking about everything that comes within it. Yeah. At the end of the day, they were the streakiest team in the NFL. It, it's just the way they were this year. They started two and four rattled off seven finished, I think one and three, uh, and then one and four, including the, the, including the playoff loss. And that's, you know, that's not what you're looking, you know, you're not looking for streaky, but it speaks to the development of a team when they got in the rhythm and understood more pulling in the same direction with some young players and people adjusting to the team. And they hadn't been through all of this altogether. And that that's just, it's natural growing pains of a young team. They were not expected to be any better than they were and give credit to the bills. Listen, we're sitting here talking about like what that bills loss told the Patriots the Bills went out there and took it. And to an extent, that makes it harder to assess as a fan. What, like, you don't need to blow up the defense. 
you need to make some moves on the defense, but let's, you know, like certainly you need that sideline to sideline speed. Like I think the mothership hit on that and that's absolutely true. Um, you know, but I, I just, I don't, I, I don't love the reactionary nature to it. Like you lost to the bills. You need to blow everything up. No, the we bills need to fire. Are every, apparently teams. we need to fire every coach, including ones that, that the head coach hired because I guess, because they're, they're, they share the last name as the head coach. And so because they share the last name as the head coach, that means that they don't deserve to be anything. And that the only, the only way they had that job is because of the head coach. But nepotism but, only exists when they fail. Nepotism yeah. only exists when they fail. I mean, when, when, they're, when they're successful, it's, you know, you know, Bill Belichick, you know, Bill Belichick did it with, you know, MacGyver tools. And forget McVay, when they, when they forget suck. McVay yeah. be, being on the Rams right now. Forget the North Turner's kid being on, on Washington. Forget, like, there's so many examples of nepotism in the league. Don't even give me that bullshit. Right. And just to, just to mention, too, I feel like with the whole byweight thing, then you went into a slate of teams that had so much vitriol and wanting to beat the Patriots more than anything, even making it to the playoffs. I think that just was sort of the perfect storm in addition to, you know, breaking up that, you know, not having the bye week at the right time where you could experience some of those losses and kind of regain your composure and fix things without it just being like this rat race at the end of the year. You had teams like the Colts and the Bills at the second, the second time in Miami all lined up at the end, all that wanted to keep them out of the playoffs or say, we're the legit contenders, not the Patriots or the tides are changing, whatever. And we see it all the time when these teams put all their effort into beating the Patriots and then they run out of gas because, you know, they had their eyes on the wrong prize, basically. And this doesn't take away them winning. They were better teams, those teams that won and and those things. But uh, I just see it. It's just, we see it all the time. It was like, we've seen it with the Steelers in the past. We've seen it with the Ravens in the past. We've seen it with the Colts in the past. You know, these teams, you know, hang a banner. We talk about, you know, these teams that just put all their energy, Miami, uh, to, to beat the Patriots. And then it doesn't really equate to anything other than hang it in the Louvre, hang it on your elevator, hang it in the wall of the stadium that you had an interception pick six or you had seven drives with, with touchdowns, you know. Right. Yeah, it's and and you saw it with the Colts. Like, you know, I was off by a week. I said they were probably going to get blown their doors blown off by the Cardinals. They made it through the Cardinals because the Cardinals were, as we saw in the playoffs, equally inconsistent to the Patriots in a lot of ways. Um, And then the Colts dropped their last two to, you know, Oakland and to Jacksonville. And it's you know, they, they, they fell off the wagon at the end and that's on them. They, you know, they did not follow through because they got up for this big game. They survived a really inconsistent team that they probably also realized was another quote unquote, like test. And then the two teams that they didn't think were the big tests at the end of the year, they failed. And that's, you know, that's what we see with a lot of those teams. Do I think that's going to happen with the bills in the playoffs? No. I think it's going to be a good game against the Chiefs. I, you know, that was just, that wasn't them, you know, come, they were, you know, they obviously are motivated to beat the Patriots. Don't get me wrong, but they're also a, just a, a vastly more talented team than some of the, some of the others that have gone down that road before. And I think they're capable of beating anybody that's left. It, it is what it is. But I think that, you know, the Colts are a prime example of what you're talking about, Dan, they fell right off at the end and it cost them a playoff spot. Yeah, exactly. So, look, 
I just think that again, if we have the proper perspective for the season, I think we're I'm able I'm able to go into this off season feeling good about the team and feeling good about the prospects of what's to come with this team. And now I want to well, actually, before I talk about the next topic, I want to get to this. No excuses, no worries, no regrets, no fear. Go all in. Hashtag grind. So um, I want to go to the next topic. And have you been noticing that Bills fans are now Chiefs fans? And what I mean by that is, remember a couple of years ago when the Chiefs were in their, well, they kind of still are in their hate because they're in the divisional round. But Chiefs fans have gotten a little bit, they, they, I, think, I think they've gotten humbled a little bit this season because this season was a little bit different than the past couple because they, have, they weren't the front runners that they've been the last couple of seasons. But Bills fans, I mean, can they obviously, first of all, you know, congratulations. You, you beat the Patriots on, on wild card weekend. I mean, hang your banner. But it seems like not just the Bills fans, but players have they, they, they've really they've really become something that I, I never thought that they're kind of like turned into Chiefs fans and maybe even Colts fans. Like it, it, they're, 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 they're saying that Josh, Josh Allen is the next Tom Brady, that he's going to be dominating the, like the Bills and Josh Allen, they're going to be dominating the league for the next, not three years or five years, which I can, I can tolerate that. I don't believe that, but I can tolerate that. But they're saying for 10 years, for 20 years. So I, I'm, I'm certain a lot of this is projection, but I'm also thinking about, do fans really understand what the Patriots did and the word dynasty, like, like everybody's been so quick, especially the last couple, I guess, 10 years or so, to use the word dynasty. You know, remember when the Eagles were going to be the next dynasty after beating the Patriots in Super Bowl 52? Well, what happened to them? So it's just so difficult to win in this league. And, you know, for the Bills especially, under the terms of that $258 million extension that they gave to Josh Allen, his salary cap hit is $10 million uh, this season. And it goes up to $16.4 million in 2022. And then it goes all the way up, said Fat Joe, to $39.7 million in 2023. So let's see how the Bills roster shapes up the next couple of seasons when his cap hit grows exponentially. But, I mean, I know you guys, uh, you guys are just like me. You're, you're on Twitter for, for a lot. I mean, what's up with these Bills fans? I don't understand it. I think it's, you know, it's, they just have big heads because they just won a, a divisional opponent playoff game, not a divisional round, but a, a playoff game against a divisional opponent. And they just have big heads about it. Uh, and they were in the AFC Championship last year. So again, they, they think this is just a perennial thing, to your point, Shaq. They think this is just expected at this point. And they're not, they're very nearsighted, entitled. They're living in the now though. They're not really looking that far ahead um, to to what the roster construction is going to end up being down the road. Like Bill would say, we don't don't know what that's going to be. And to your point, it reminds me a lot of like, you know, like we said, like teams from like between 2010 and let's say till now, where we saw this with the Seahawks 
We saw this with the Broncos. We saw this with um, even the Jaguars. I remember everyone said they'd be around for a long time. And that was like in the Eagles. And it's just like, you see this in the Packers even. You can even say the Packers because the Packers won one Super Bowl and we're still pretending this is the same Packers team that won a Super Bowl, you know, 11 years ago, whatever. So it's just, you know, it's the big headedness. It's everyone wants to be the first to call this the future dynasty because they can look back and say, yeah, I knew it before everyone else. But I mean, these are the fans of the team. So it is what it is. And they're, they're completely idiotic anyways. I mean, these people eat like Buffalo wings and lead paint. Like we know this, uh, our interactions on, on Twitter, like the guy tweeting this week, like Patriots will be basically last in the division for years to come, even though we were just second in the division, barely uh, seven and 19 makes it to the playoffs, almost takes the division from you who was in the AFC championship last year, who had all the expectations in the world to be in the Super Bowl. And the Patriots did not, not even to make the playoffs. So back to that point, I just think the juxtaposition there, and now everyone's playing this revisionist history to that, that, oh, you guys were kings of the world in December. I was like, yeah, well, guess what? This is a 17-game season now. It's an 18-week season in all, and things change. It's harder. It's, it's, It's every time you add another week and you add a late buy, everything becomes so much more difficult to sustain and, and that, and because it's never happened for, I mean, look at all the records that are broken this year because it's an 18 week season and look how many injuries there were. This is an 18 week season. And also the preseason being shortened kind of screwed things up with more injuries because there are guys that really didn't get the proper reps and, and camp in. Um, so anyways, not to, to go down that, that whole thing, but I think this is just people not realizing we're in a, different season we were in a crazy different season last year with the pandemic really being there uh and no one's using context i mean this is just how the the sports world works is no context needed just make up your narratives the last thing i saw you know we talked about the mandela effect all these things is just how we perpetuate headlines and social media clout uh with the media so i I think this is another instance where people can say had it here first, Bill's Mafia, Dynasty, you know, from whatever you want. To, I mean, when does a dynasty really start? When you win one Super Bowl. It's not when you are runner-up to be, to be in a Super Bowl. <laughs> it's when you actually won a Super Bowl. That's when you can, that's when you have the right to maybe just say we're on our way. Like, this is even completely different than when, you know, Chris Jones said it with the Chiefs. Because they won. They won one. So it was like, all right, I guess I could get that a little bit. But when you haven't won one and you're saying it, now it's a little deranged and it's a little, now you're looking way too, I don't even know where you're looking at this point. But yeah, go ahead, Bill. See, people forget that the term dynasty was hard to achieve for the Patriots come 2004. The whole iconic radio call of you know the Patriots winning, yes, it's a dynasty was because people were gatekeeping the term dynasty after they had won two out of three. They're like, no, no, no. To be a dynasty, you have to win three out of four. And they said, you can't win three out of five. You have to win three out of four. And you're a dynasty. If you lose this year, you're not a dynasty. That kicks it down the road more. So it was this whole very gatekept 
thing that just didn't make any sense, you know, and now all of a sudden, now that the Patriots have done it, it's like, well, they realized how like impactful that was. And so now everybody wants to be the next dynasty and they want to call it like, and they want to call ridiculous things. People forget the difference in record. Now the Bills would have still won the division. It wouldn't have changed it. But the difference between the Patriots and the Bills record was the fact that the Patriots played the Cowboys and the Bills played the Washington football team and that added 17th week. That was the matchups they drew. You pull those games out, Bills beat Washington, Patriots lost to the Cowboys. In a 16-game season, if you just scratch those, they'd have the same record. So you're talking about this new environment is exactly what, what you're saying. It would have even been closer. The Bills still would have won, wouldn't have changed a damn thing, but it would have been closer. So there's this whole, like, you know, the expectations got shifted throughout the year because they met minor resistance. I, I agree mm-hmm. with a lot of what Shaq said about um, Chiefs fans sort of being humbled a little bit this year because they saw it's not easy. And I think that's part of the maturation of a team that's going to be in contention every year because you start to realize it's hard. Like, I think Patriots fans didn't have the outlet of social media as much in 2001, 2, 3, or you would have seen some of that from Patriots fans. I'm not pretending that, like, you know, they're on a pedal still and everyone else is, you know, below. No, everybody's, you know, every fan base has some of that. But you're looking at it and it's like, they're maturing because they realize that, like, it's still going to be hard, even with all the right pieces. The Bills fans are assuming now that, like, and part of it's because of the media and Acho saying things like, wow, I can't believe that Bill Belichick will never win oh, the AFC God. East again. What, that, I can't. That, 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 go, go back to hosting fucking Bachelor. Like, you have no oh, clue, dude. Go do, <laughs> some, go do some weird-ass car commercials again where you do some <laughs> right. weird, poetic, oh, my, you know, Maya Angelou oh, nonsense into the it, abyss. If Bill Belichick wins another AFC East in the next couple of years, I am getting that, like, printed, framed, and I'm putting it on my desk. Like that is the most, but like this is the thing: the the Bill Belichick will never win another AFC East, you know, title. The Bills own the division for the next ten years. The Bills have twenty three players under contract in twenty twenty three. Twenty three, and you're telling me that they're gonna run it. You don't know that. And part of that is you're at that point. I believe they'll both be in their uh, both thirty two. Micah Hyde and Poyer. So you're talking about two 32-year-old safeties. You're talking about 31, 30-year-old digs. And you've got the monster contract now for Josh Allen, in effect. Can they make some moves? Absolutely. That's not saying that they can't be. But the road gets harder from here, not easier. They're, they've had the, the gift, as Shaq laid out, of a affordable, excellent quarterback. And that's about to end. And it's going to make their roster building and roster management much harder while simultaneously they're losing their assistant GM. They're probably going to lose coordinators over time. That's what happens to good teams. You get siphoned talent out of your front office and out of your coaching rooms. That's going to happen. And how you adjust to that deems how you're going to go, but calling it like a 10 year thing is just ridiculous. And I, I, I don't want to excuse the fans but media has been equally responsible for this. Achos is just one example, but it's media. Media is pumping this up and the Bills fans are eating up because who wouldn't? My team is good. Yes, that's one. I want to hear more of that. You know, the Ezekiel Elliott feed me. Like this is exactly what people want to hear about their teams. They want to know that their teams are going to be excellent. Well, that expert told me they are. It goes back to what we said about the younger media members a couple weeks ago. This expert said it. Acho's not an expert. But he said it, 
and he gets paid to say it. He was barely serviceable in the league. Uh, (laughs) Phil, you brought brought up a great point. You you had my thought too, which is back in 2004 too, when Dynasty was first mentioned, there wasn't really social media taking off. I mean, it was barely around. Facebook was barely there. And uh, these concepts weren't just out there being freely used in social media platforms. Social media now, you know, with junk like PFF, Bleacher Report, who just say, you know, Epic and Dynasty and Goat all the time. Like, it's just, you could just apply it to anybody. That's a part of the problem is we didn't have social media back then. So now it's like, and plus everyone's just dumb. I mean, that too. And perpetuating things we learned from our parents and and just all these uh, incorrect media sources. And, And that there's so much information out there that people just don't, again, don't know what is real and what's not and what's accurate, what is a dynasty. And the other thing that I find interesting, Bill, that you said on Twitter was all about Tom Brady. And I'm, I'm not going to stand Tom Brady here, but it's funny that Tom Brady basically owned the Bills. for I mean, they owned them for almost two decades. And as soon as he's gone, they defeat a rookie quarterback in the playoffs and they're acting like they beat Tom Brady. Because that's what all the pent up release was like. It was like they were defeating Tom Brady. It was like, no, no, no. You're beating a kid who's experiencing his first playoff game on the road in the coldest weather, and you're you're acting like you just beat a Hall of Fame quarterback. This is a perfect segue, Dan. Like you just cued cued me up perfectly because the, one of those tweets, and this is this is the the. The delusion that Bills fans have gotten themselves into, you know, this guy, Ken Barrett, which, first of all, why is your at Bucks underscore Barrett talking about, I don't know if you, are you a Bucks covering the Bucks or whatever. But anyway, um, he used, first of all, when you start off with a straw man, then, I mean, you're, you're losing, for, you're either delusional or you're just losing. He says, remember when everyone said Mac Jones was Tom Brady? Never again. Dude. Please point me to the people who said that Mac Jones is Tom Brady. <laughs> who, who ever said that? And then he goes on to say, Josh Allen, period. This is your division for a long, long time. Like, it, it, to me, it's just so blatant that Bills fans want desperately, I guess they wanted Patriots fans to be mad and upset at, at, at the fact that they lost the game. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I wasn't upset that they lost the game. I was upset the way they lost the game. But you don't have to make up your own narrative to support these types of things. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And if you're watching that game, Matt played damn well for what, for what, for what he had and for what was going on. I mean, it, he, he had a deep pass that was picked off, which, you know, Micah Hyde, you give credit, you tip your cap to Micah Hyde for that. That was an unbelievable play from an all pro safety and you know and by the way josh allen wasn't tom brady or what those fans perceive as tom brady and i'm putting it in air quotes for his rookie season so again it's, it's the delusion and what you feed yourself and what your own opinions become conventional wisdom and become facts it's that meme in here. Check your bingo box for the describing a meme. It's the meme with the brain that gets more like electricity coming out of it over time. And it's, with, with you know, so you've got, down. It, and it gets to the point where it's like, all right, so now the thought is 
you know, now it's, well, Mac Jones was better than Josh Allen was in his rookie year. That's a fact. Mac Jones was superior to Josh Allen's numbers. Now it's, but Mac doesn't have the ceiling. How the f- who the fuck knows what a ceiling is on a player? You don't know. Both were first oh, no. round Chris, picks. Chris, Chris, Chris Gasper knows. He formerly of WCVB. Chris Gasper is so short, he's never seen a fucking ceiling in his life. <laughs> All right? He doesn't know what they look like. He doesn't know how to perceive them. He has no concept of ceilings. He thinks, you know, small tables, coffee tables are ceilings. Like, let, let's be real here. But there's no world where you should be, where you can state with confidence that his ceiling is anywhere. It could be, you know, multi Super Bowl winner. It could be, you know, never makes a Super Bowl. It could be, you know, seven time all pro. It could be one time pro bowler, you know, as an alternate that goes, you don't know yet. We don't know what that ceiling is. And we're going to find out over time. But saying like, well, Josh Allen's ceiling was higher. No, it wasn't. Why wasn't he the number one overall pick if it was higher? Why was, you know, Josh, rather on Mac Jones was being considered at number three by the 49ers. He would have been picked higher than Josh Allen. And you're telling me that you're confident his ceiling in a five quarterback first 15 picks that he could have been the third quarterback taken and the number three overall pick. That's the, that, that's the kid that you're certain doesn't have a ceiling that's high, as high as you know, Josh Allen's. He has a different skill set. You might not be excited. He might not make as many you know, sexy plays as Josh Allen. But ceiling, you don't know that. And that's sort of the the latest iteration of that take that's gone from like Patriots fans think he's Tom Brady. No, they fucking don't. To, you know, oh, Josh Allen outplayed him. Well, Mac outplayed Josh Allen as a rookie. Well, Josh's ceiling is higher. I don't know. We'll find out. Possible, but we don't know. And, and it, it really amazes me how quickly people want to say, oh, well, that's it. Max not. He, there's no. There's no way for him to improve. There's no way for him. To, uh, there's so. There's no way for a rookie to improve. A guy who played, who's played eighteen, nine, what, eighteen games, nineteen games. I, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure if the only thing they change in the off season is getting the ball to Janu Smith more, he'll improve. Hmm. But, yeah, and getting <laughs> James White back too. That's that was right. a big thing. Like, uh, like there, there's clear things in that offense that you want to expand upon, and you will with a year two quarterback who understands a lot more about the game and has been seasoned in some big matchups. Yeah. So, uh, again, enjoy yourselves, Bills. Um, I know I'm not. I'm not going to look. I. I'm not going to be watching the games. I know that's probably heresy for a lot of people, but I just can't. I, 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 I'm now that the Patriots are out. I have no dog in the fight. I'm done. I, I have no, you know, I have no rooting interest. I don't care what happens. I'll find out. I'm sure, but I'm just totally out of it because there's nothing to left to pay attention to. And then if even if I turn it on and I believe in the hashtag mute all sports on TV. I'm going to get mad because they're going to talk, wind up talking about the Patriots and especially in that Bills game. So I would advise if you're a Patriots fan watching that game uh, to mute if you, if you are going to watch it because they're going to mention the Patriots. So um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just about done with this entire thing. So, you know, hope Bills fans, you better get a Super Bowl out of this because if you don't, it, it would be funny if they went to the Super Bowl and lost it. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I, I think we, I if, think we would they, have a, if, a mass exodus. Listen, if they 
if they made it to the Super Bowl, and I know the people, especially the mothership, does not want, you know, it seemed like their power rankings for Brady winning the, the championship were low. But if the Bills lose to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, I think it breaks Bills fans. Yes. I, like I, I think their brains explode. Like it's like, you know, it's the Thanos. You know, all of you know, all of that. Where did it lead you back to me? It's, it, oh my word! Another bingo just exceptional. Card. Yep, yep, yep. Marvel. Just I'm, I'm just gonna keep checking them off. You know, I'm just gonna say Marvin Harrison's gun just to get that checked off too while we're at it. All right. Well, let's get to this next topic real quick. When I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad, I'm better. Hashtag mentality zone. So, um, I know it's late. It's not December. And usually this happens in December. But since the season's over and we've had time to uh, to marinate in the loss, we've had time to digest the season, um, I think it's time for a good good old-fashioned Festivus. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. So I asked the guys in our chat before we started the show to pick one of uh, one of the worst tweets this season regarding the Patriots, meaning a take or or anything. And I told the guys that we, we, I, don't tell, don't tell each other. Let's not tell each other until we're doing this now. And I'm wondering if we'll match each other or if we don't. So we're all hearing this for the very first time. So um, Dan, I'm going to have you go first. Um, which one did you pick as your Festivus worst take of, of the 2021 season? This is tough because there's some really, I think, I feel like there's a lot of low hanging fruit um, that I could easily throw out there with names I don't even want to mention on this podcast anymore because I think we've already given them enough time. But I, oof. So I came down, I, I, my final three came down to a Burt Breer, uh, Chris Gasper, and Tommy Kern. Um, so it, it was close, but I have to go with Chris Gasper. And mine actually came the week of the Jaguars game when I tweeted as a joke at the end of the game when the score was way out of hand and I said oh Bill's running up the score one must wonder if he's doing that as payback to the Jags for letting go of uh, Bill's close friend Urban Meyer this is a joke and I tagged media pitch bot and I thought you know that would be something uh, that account would tweet and literally right after that Chris Gasper tweeted out almost the same exact tweet questioning if that was payback for his friend Urban Meyer being fired. And that you just can't replicate. Um, It doesn't happen often. My other thought was to go with Chris Gasper's many tweets about Jag Jones and doing that way earlier on in, in March through August, basically saying, you know, this kid, was very limited. He wouldn't do anything and he ended up being, you know, the best rookie. But of course, everyone's going to say the best situation all those things. But Chris Gasper, yeah, that one just, I couldn't write it. I mean, I wrote it and then it happened. So that, that's, a, that, that's a pretty good one. I wasn't expecting that. Um, but Chris Gasper's had a lot of them. Um, 
this season. So, you know, you you had your you had your pick of those. So that's a pretty good one. All right, Bill. Um, I'm kind of doing the the no whammies, no whammies, uh, press your luck type of thing because I think because I was when we were talking before the show, I was like, you and I, you know, we kind of have the same type of wavelength. So this is this is the test to see if we yeah. have the same tweet. So let's see what happens. Bill, what was your festivist tweet? All right. So, you know, I, as we were gearing up, I, I did say to Shaq that I went in the Wayback Machine for this. And he said, oh, I did, too, which is why we're sort of nervous that we have the same one. <laughs> Shaq, if we have the same one, stop me and we can talk about it together. OK, um, so I had to go back. This one was wrong on so many levels. It was just so unencumbered in the way that it ignored 18000 pieces of football fact. And I had to illustrate it. It goes down to the March 12th tweet from I am James Stewart. It's clobbering time! A winless season is now in play for the Patriots. A winless season is now in play for the Patriots. Shaq, do we have the same one? You picked the cat fucker? I did. I I did. All right, so that tells me that this, tells me this was done. in my consideration too, but I didn't yep. want to mention his name. <laughs> so wow. I will men- I will mention it because it is so wrong on so many levels. One, the date, March twelfth. Talking about a winless season, not understanding how football works at all. He he just goes off and does not understand football in any way, shape, or form. Secondly, the team was better than when it was seven and nine the year before. <laughs> Third, he ignored the dumpster fires that are on that schedule. They had the Jets twice, the Jaguars once, and a slew of other teams that they should that they should should have and did easily handle. So we're talking about somebody who just ignored everything for the take, and the cherry on top was that months later he tweeted that a perfect season wasn't in, in play for the Patriots to try to cover all bases because he was like, well, it was between the two. Th- you know, I, could, I said it was now in play, which means literally everything is in play. So somehow he ignored football knowledge, ignored the schedule, ignored how the team had played the previous year, ignored the team improved, and to top it off, also said nothing when he corrected it with a tweet two months later to cover his ass. It was just the grand slam creme de la creme of shitty media tweets. And I had to go for it as much as, you know, I do not want the furry bastard to get any attention. I just could not help myself. Wow. That, that was an upset. That, that, that was an upset. I wasn't expecting that, but really, I mean, come on, you picked somebody who pushes buttons for a living and can't kick a football to save his life. So I, I know, but it's it's almost like if you're getting like, you know, punched in the face for 20 years, you'll eventually learn how to put your hands up and block. You know, you'll eventually learn to defend yourself or something. It's like he hasn't learned anything from being around sports for, for as long as he's been around sports. So it's like it, it's a level of like ineptitude that just exceeds all logic and expectation and I, I i just i had to as much as he's not sort of you know somebody i want to give a lot of clout to it was just so fantastically stupid and there are just to, to, to put a bow on it 701 likes of that tweet 701 people said oh yeah that's the stuff right there which tells me that there are seven and 701 people who need some sort of examination they need to be checked for their mental sanity. They need an enema. Oh, oh, and there are more, I'm sure. But, you know, 
some some I'm sure some of them can't even don't even know what a Twitter is. So right. Yeah. So that that that's a great upset. So my tweet is it actually does like you said it, it also goes back, but I guess it goes back now. You said that was March 20. You said that was March 12th. Correct. So I guess this goes back uh, a little bit forward, 10 days later to March 22nd, 2021. And this is from Dan's favorite website, PFF. <laughs> and I mean, this website, uh, first of all, you, you shouldn't be surprised because it's co-owned by uh, Chris Collinsworth, you know, who's an asshole. But this came from I, I'm not going to pronounce his last name, but it comes from PFF underscore George. And the tweet was, it's one of those idiotic, uh, I, and these, oh, I hate these tweets so much because it's not really a tweet. It's a picture of words with a, a scowling face of Bill Belichick on it. So it's not really a tweet. I, those get on my nerves so much. I hate them so much. Anyway, the, George George Charari or whatever, you know, too, too many consonants. Anyway, he says, the Patriots had all this cat space, and instead of going and buying nice things, they went to Target. First of all, Target is one of my favorite stores in the world because, I mean, you can get everything there. And, <laughs> I mean, when you look at this, this take, I mean, first of all, the fact that it was made on March 22nd, when these guys are coming in, first of all, you had no clue of how they were going to adapt, how they were going to do, and what they were going to and what they were going to provide to the team. But it obviously aged fantastically because when you look at Matthew Judon, who, you know, for the regular season at least, he owned for the most part, except for maybe, I guess, December. Um, Hunter Henry was tied for, I believe, fourth in the league in touchdowns with nine and had uh, uh, nine touchdowns. That I think that was tied with Travis Kelsey with tight ends. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, who provided a spark in, in this team that I think uh, a, lot, a lot of teams, a lot, a lot of players couldn't really provide. And he started that from training camp on. Um, you had Nelson Aguilar coming on. Uh, and I would even say, Jonu Smith, even though he's been much maligned for a lot of people, I think that, and I and I agree with you, but what you said earlier, if he if if he can if he can start catching some balls and getting to that to, into that rhythm, especially having an off season with Mac, I think he'll be a great uh, a cover for 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 Hunter Henry. So I, I think it I think it was hilarious to make this tweet in the date that he did, and then to also have it age really really terribly in in the over the course of the 2021 season so that for me is 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 the worst tweet it's a good choice it's definitely a good choice i that was in consideration for me as well um but yeah that that's a fantastic choice and i too will full vouch for the joys of target um you know that just got a, a mobile order draw picked it up they put it in the back of my car how can you beat target they have everything it's wonderful I'd be proud to be, you know, uh, I'd be proud to be, you know, established as a connection to Target. Like somebody purchased me a Target. That's like, yeah, somebody really wanted me. And, you know, I was convenient and, you know, accessible for them. That That's a that's a compliment. I love all these fake, fake analysts who, who believe that they know more than Bill Belichick. 
Well, if you did, well, then you wouldn't be working at PFF. You can also just tell he's in, like a, a nerd because a true nerd because his insult was Target. Like everyone was supposed to be insulted by that. He could he couldn't come up with like the dollar store or Salvation Army <laughs> or something like that. He came up with Target. Like that was really insulting. Like this guy does all his his grocery sh- shopping and and just general shopping at like these very high end stores. A uh, guy that yeah. works at PFF. So super super insulting to you know probably 70% of the country that shops there. Yeah, my papa only shops at Whole Foods. Like, come on, get them, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, so um, like like we said, there are plenty of, of worse tweets out there. Um, if you have yours, um, add us at Entitled Weekend or at our individual um, Twitter uh, accounts. I'll give those to you at the end of the show. And at EntitledWeekend at gmail.com. Also, you can email EntitledTalent at gmail.com too. So I, I look at both of those. So um, one last topic before the final thoughts. And this was a late-breaking topic. And it was pretty interesting that it came last night. But before I get to that, I have to play this. Sweat more in training, bleed less in battle. Hashtag trust the process. So I've been playing these. Uh, <laughs> let's not let's not bleed around the bush. I've been playing these uh, weird uh, IG posts, um, specifically because of a tweet that came about last night. Um, so Mac Jones and David Andrews were at the Bruins game last night, and they were you know whooping it up, you know celebrating as normal human beings do. And there was one commenter who, and the, by the way, the tweet was from, I believe, Connor Ryan of a BSJ. Hope, hope Greb Goddard is paying you, Connor, because you're pretty good as a reporter. But um, I, I, I have my doubts on that. I think we all do. But uh, he tweeted, uh, he tweeted uh, the video of Mac Jones and, uh, sorry, not of uh, David Andrews, Hunter Henry. And at the Garden last night at the, Bruins game and you know he's got a, a Mac Jones jersey on he drinks a beer chugs a beer everybody the crowd's pumped and this one commenter comes in and says I hate that they're celebrating like they did something you know as if the only thing that they're supposed to be doing is making tweets like the ones that I've <laughs> that I've said on the show and posting them on social media and looking at the wall and working out and that's the only thing they're supposed to be doing from now until until i guess training camp it 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 it, it really irks me when, when people have this type of opinion and they had this opinion remember when they lost super bowl i believe it was 46 and gronk was caught by tmz dancing and everybody was like oh why is he dancing what's going on well people take loss differently depending on what the loss is, you know, it's a loss of a, a, a you know, uh, whether it's a loss of a person or the loss of a football game, it's everyone's different. And, and they're just cel- and they're celebrating because, well, they're human beings. And I, I just don't understand what the hoopla is about. It's not even celebrating. They're just going to a game and yeah. they know because of their status as players on the New England Patriots, if they get hyped on the Jumbotron, the crowd gets into it and it supports the other professional athletes in the city. They got hyped. That was a that was a good game that the Bruins were in and they pulled it out. And part of that is having fan support. Yeah. 
And that's that they're literally doing it to help another professional sports franchise. Like that's the point of like chugging the beer and pointing the Mac and the laughing. Yes, they have a good Yes, they they have good reason to be around the city. Like, I, I don't know why people are upset that they're still in Boston and hanging out at a Boston Bruins game. That largely seems like a good thing to me that core members of your team for the next several years are hanging out with each other and spending time together outside of the regular season. And once they've been eliminated from the playoffs, that's all positive to me. I don't understand where it became celebration. It's just going out and letting off some steam and having a good time and supporting another sports franchise in the city, which is what Boston's been about for a pretty long time. Right. And it's a week later. Like, again, are they supposed to be looking at the wall? And I guess if they tweet a picture of that, then you're going to say, oh, why are you tweeting a picture? You should be working out like they can't win. Correct. And also, also, if if any of these fans were given box seats at any other (laughs) sporting event, after getting, you know, after doing a terrible job at, at, you know, at their work, I'm sure they're getting drunk to forget about it. But um, never mind, you're going to take the tickets. Uh, and also, you know, the other thing that we saw was, you know, Chase Winovich was at the Celtics game, and I saw people complaining about that, how he shouldn't even show his face. You know, just let these people live their lives. And yes, they're going to be on camera because they're professional athletes. You're not. And also. We've seen so many teams that don't make the playoffs show up to other games to support each other. I mean, the, the Patriots game, the Patriots team showed up to many Celtics and Bruins games last season and they didn't go anywhere. So they shouldn't go. And, and the other thing that I want to mention is how many times do people get upset when one of our sports team players, like I think of Kemba Walker, when he was on the Celtics, he wore a Yankees hat in an interview and everyone got pissed that he was wearing a Yankees hat. Or Tom Brady was seen with a Yankees hat once walking around the streets of New York with his, you know, I don't know if that was Giselle or uh, Bridget Moynihan, whoever, but everyone got pissed about that. So it's like these these guys are rooting for each other. They're rooting for another team. And when they're out of it, they're going to hope the next team does it for you guys, for you guys who are complaining about them. And you don't deserve to be a fan if you're going to be like that. Plain and simple. It's it's unbelievable. I, I I really don't understand. I I think we need to again. We need to get some perspective. It's 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 sports. It's just the game. At the end of the day, you know these guys got to deal with their families. They got to live their lives. And so you know it was a bad loss, but it doesn't mean that life stops. If if life stops for you that much, that seeing your supposed favorite players celebrate and let off steam and enjoy a game if that's jarring for you then you need to take some really hard looks at yourself and look at your life and see what's what you're doing wrong because it's pretty crazy i I don't understand it um but anyway on that light note (laughs) uh let's go to final thoughts dan you're up first so i don't want to steal anyone's thunder but i feel like for me this is probably the easiest final thought we've had in a long time. Uh, today being the anniversary 28 years ago, Robert Kraft purchasing the New England Patriots, uh, one of the best purchases decisions ever made for us, for fans, and for the Patriots. Uh, and what ensued after that is just never going to be replicated ever again. Um, and regardless of the small little blip that happened with him in a massage parlor in Florida, Uh, there is so much that this man was a part of 
to basically rebuild an organization that was now 19 division titles, 10 conference championships, six Super Bowl victories, the winningest professional sports team since 1994. He did it all. Uh, and he was a fan just like the rest of us. So that's really the dream, uh, especially when you think about that first Super Bowl that, you know, they finally won in 2001. Uh, and, and the guys on the mothership talked about it. It was like one of the greatest nights ever for all of us, for any of us. Um, and we have that man to thank for also, you know, getting Bill Belichick, uh, for being a part of that domino effect to get Tom Brady and all those great things and all the players that have come through and all the fans. Uh, I, I don't know what else there is to do, but make it a holiday in, in, uh, Massachusetts, but, uh, thank you very much, Robert Kraft. Yeah. And 28 years ago for a then record, $172 million. And now the team is what four five billion dollars worth. And thinking about everything that has transpired in the Foxborough region from the transformation of, of you know for Foxborough Stadium to Gillette Stadium, well, first CMGI Field and then Gillette Stadium and then Patriot Place, and then you know, just everything that has been uh, of course, the team being successful, but just the transformation of that entire area. And Bill, I'm sure you could speak to that. It, 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 it's just been an amazing run. And I think, again, I'm, we're lucky to have been a part of that. I, I'm going to go with my final thought. And Dan, that was, a, again, perfect segue um, to what I want to talk about. And I guess it's kind of personal, but it's also having to do with th this team and, and the way I feel about it is that I, I, as, as an optimist, I, I try to go everything optimistically. And the fact that, you know, Iron had started this, well, now what's becoming a franchise of podcasts, and hopefully there are more to come. Um, I'm glad that we have, you know, the season's over, but I'm glad that, you know, along with the flagship show and this show, I've been able to, you know, talk to people who have, who are like-minded, not just of Patriots fandom, because that's obvious, but as of what we want as far as coverage and you know as much as we bash the media i believe that you know there are still there are still people out there who are willing to give us the content that we want and unfortunately that's uh mike reese and i can only say that that is he's the only exemplary person i can say who's working the local beat who i trust on a daily basis and that's it for as far as you know you know as far as regular guys i feel like that's the person i trust the most but really i think that traditional media as you know as far as you know watching a certain show at a certain time i think that's going away and traditional media meaning radio now when when we say turn off your radios we mean it because podcasts are better. And, and this, is, this isn't to, you know, suck our own dicks, but I will anyway, because I'm multi-talented. Um, I think that having podcasts such as this, where like-minded people can meet, I think it helps to grow the conversation because you're not going to grow the conversation listening to 98.5 and WEI and NBC AIDS Boston and all, and, and Nesson and all those idiotic channels that aren't giving you anything but anger and hate. 
and so I just I'm just glad to be a part of this podcast and you know to be producing and some maybe sometimes uh, uh, guesting on the Entitled Town podcast because I think that you know it's just great to be able to commiserate and also celebrate with people who are just and it's, and that goes for the listeners too who 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 relate and so I'm I'm just glad to be a part of it. Uh, Bill, last one, and you've got a doozy, I believe. I do. First, you know, Shaq, I think it just to tag on your final thought, I think that, you know, I, I, I speak for, you know, Dan and Steve, I'm sure to say we appreciate, you know, the the entitled weekend pod and, you know, this taken off over this past season. And we're looking forward to many more episodes to come. So, you know, it's the feeling there is mutual from internally to the pod and I'm sure externally as well. Um, but we have to be, you know, thinking about historical context here as seasons end. And I would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that football lost a participant this in the last couple of weeks. Um, so as Dick Flavin is to the Red Sox, I wanted to become the poet laureate to encapsulate the life of this participant in the game of football. And I present to you the Ode to Ben. As the sun rose on Monday, January 17th, 2022, I tried to tell it to stop. I did not want to wake to a world without Big Ben, but nonetheless I was assaulted by the rays of the first morn without the favorite son of Pittsburgh. How we became the favorite son is a blur, as many memories around Ben can be. As a brash young man, unencumbered by the lessons of human error, it would be natural to deem him unlikable, but Ben would force you to like him with the heavy-handed charm of a young frat boy. Men could see having a drink with him, and women would be surprised by the image of him next to them in bed. The success of women, uh, the success of winning, excuse me, washed away any small transgressions or incidents of childlike antics, almost like memories had been fogged by a powerful potion slipped into our morning coffee. Then came the signs of the end. Years of forcing his will upon his opponent had left his body worn, now being forced to take only what was given to him as opposed to taking what he wanted on the field. Ben had earned the right to end things when he wanted to, and nobody else, so Steelers fans remained resolute in their support, now collectively serving a role like the cleaner Jack Kearney had supported Ben throughout his minute issues of youthful ignorance. Despite these diminishing skills, Ben's will was more important than others, as it had been for decades, and he reaped the fruits of his labor, earning one last postseason, hoping to impose his will on the unwilling victims one more time. Then came January 16th, with the sun down, when Ben does his best work in the Shroud of Darkness, and despite the power Ben had wielded for what seems like his entire life, he was not able to physically conquer his opponent in search of personal gratification. In an ironic and cruel twist of fate, Ben was told no, and perhaps for the first time, he had to succumb to their refusal to lie down and take it. So I awoke on January 17th to a world where Ben Roethlisberger was held to the standards of common men, a world I never thought I would exist within. But I will forever remember Ben as the man who imposed his will on his victims, wouldn't take no for an answer, and physically dominated others, which is how I hope the world remembers him for generations to come.
well, there's nothing else to say, but uh, that's going to do it for Entitled Weekend. Uh, we'll be back uh, I, this season. I, I Well, this offseason, we, we got a lot to talk about this offseason, so make sure you, you are here for that. Um, Entitled Weekend is at that's at our Twitter address, entitledweekend at gmail.com. You can follow Bill at the Fib 0624. You can follow Dan at Judon Sack Lunch. You can follow me at Atomic Dog 5150. And until next time, turn off your radio, slugs. <laughs>